0: Then let's forget what we should have done earlier and continue with what we should do now.
1: Good morning, evening, or afternoon, or night, or some in between time, folks. I'm Phil
2: and I'm Kyle,
1: and we are the Unsociablest, coming definitely not live to your ear
2: holes. <laughs> we are we we live in the past. You live in the future. Tell us what it's like. Probably
1: less breathable air. <laughs> Probably ah, spoilers worse for our topic.
2: <laughs> somehow
1: <laughs> yeah uh so that's that's the plan for today we've talked about the climate before and we're gonna do it again because quite frankly it's a bit of an important topic but today we're kind of gonna fo- try to focus on air and water quality as the main mm. center points we're uh, looking at because it's getting bad
2: y'all yes it is it's um it seems like especially right now obviously we've had like a, a string of issues specifically with air quality recently what with the onset of you know we'll get into it but like the wildfire season across the the north
1: yeah the great white north is suddenly the great red north right
2: <laughs> and just a giant gray cloud uh filling up the sky and blotting out the sun and giving this Terrifying Martian quality to the to the air and sky around you. Yeah,
1: I mean it's disappointing that a lot of people I've met are already becoming just uh, like indoctrinated to think that's okay. There was even a Reddit post from back when Diablo three was uh getting advertised in New York City, right around the wildfires, oh, yeah. and like the sky was pitch red, and uh, it said, and then there was a sign that said, "Welcome to Hell, New York," <laughs> um, and like and. Most people were like, "Yep, this is this is about what to expect." But there were some downvoted comments that are like, "Hey, if when things look this badass with bad air quality, then fuck it, I don't need to breathe."
0: God
2: Almighty! Like
1: some people are already just giving in and accepting that that's this is the new normal.
2: I really have to hope that it's just like the irony poisoning, and that they aren't actually feeling that way. But then again, the irony poisoning may simply be. Just their way of accepting that this is how the world is and that it's actually fine and cool.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I I mean, it's tough to tell anymore because uh, unfortunately, as I'm learning whenever I write the bits for this show, satire is dead. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's uh, it's a bad situation. And maybe if we uh, talk you through it, it'll be a little less scary because you'll have a better n- breadth of knowledge. Or maybe it'll be more scary and you'll be insane like us. But at least uh, at least you'll know what you're talking about while you slip slowly into madness. Join me
2: in the straitjacket. Yes.
1: But yeah, we're starting from the top of our little discussion, we kind of figure um, we, we are going to focus on air and water, water quality as the biggest points but we we'll we should kind of talk about the general state of the climate and uh where things are since the last time we had a climate change discussion an eco discussion
2: yeah i mean like um the big headline news is always like these supposedly once in a lifetime weather events or you know one the, a, a thousand year flood a hundred year flood in you know um Last year it was in Kentucky, and now it's up in fucking Pennsylvania and New York and all over the place, really. But those are the ones that have gotten—Kentucky hardly got any news coverage, but, you know, those are the ones that are getting news coverage now.
1: Yeah, rolling brownouts uh, from from lack of electricity to run all the air conditioning and water purifiers and other things that need to keep the city breathable and livable. Yeah,
2: it's like— The thing that's really killing me especially is like these uh, once in a lifetime, you know, events supposedly that I've had like seven of in the last year. um, It's like they're
1: still sold as once in a lifetime on the news.
2: Yeah, they're still said like this is once in a lifetime. You know, back in the day, whenever I was growing up in Missouri, we lived on the banks of the the Missouri River and everybody, everybody talked about the 1993-94 flood. Like, that was the big thing. People's homes got washed away. The world, like, basically ended. It came over the river. Uh, the river came over the uh, train tracks and up into, like, Main Street. And the town I grew up on, there, it was on, like, a pretty steep hill. So, that coming up to Main Street is, like, another 30 feet high. That kind of shit just kind of seems to happen. Not in, on the Missouri for some reason, because the Missouri seems to be yeah, up. driving up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, I
1: mean, it's not happening, happening on most of the main major rivers it's happening in places that just aren't don't have the infrastructure to even be kind of ready for it right
2: because there's because uh, the
1: major rivers are busy you know stopping existing right
2: <laughs> yeah. we have things like uh, so essentially like take the take the events up here in jersey and pennsylvania and new york uh the 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 reason that they flood is because you know they get it, it's it is a specifically flash flood event where the uh the the water table essentially is oversaturated very quickly and so there's no place but the the surface for the water to run whereas you know if it fell on the missouri river it would at least have the river it might come up to the railroad tracks or whatever but it it wouldn't it wouldn't like be a new thing for that whereas here of course the smaller creeks the the rivers it's a it's a real wet place up here in the northeast some places um but that doesn't mean that the water table is very deep and that also doesn't mean that the uh surface can't get saturated very quickly and so you see people's homes get ruined you see uh the elderly and um the young get swept away and uh unfortunately found again but it's It's like there's nobody really expressing the kind of urgency following these. There's always the thoughts and prayers and all that jazz. And, you know, it's kind of.
1: Yeah. Well, fancy words are always uh, spared for the poor. But actual, you know, monetary help, financial aid or any kind of practical uh, assistance. They don't have time and money for that, obviously. No.
2: And like taking, for example, um, the Kentucky and I think west virginia floods of last year so they i i most of this is coming from uh my exposure to the Trillbillies podcast a good podcast if y'all want to listen um they're based in uh appalachia and then um one of the hosts is also in atlanta which is really cool because they do a lot of cop city coverage um but specifically about the flood uh these things in their case the flood was Essentially directly caused by strip mining, by coal mining in the area, which had, you know, done the the things that you would expect of mining and eroded and destroyed the the natural barriers to such a flood. Um, So it directly causing several... I think uh, maybe 10 people or more to die, and then uh, many people's homes getting swept away. And now a year on, we have disaster capitalism really settling in and taking over anybody who left their home, who took the small FEMA payout. Because FEMA, they're there for like three weeks, and then they leave. They don't really help out beyond that, especially now. But they take the FEMA payments, they take their insurance payments if they were lucky enough to have it, because they're not going to be able to get insurance on on a new home in the area if you can even get one. And so when they leave, the people who leave, their uh, homes end up getting bought by people like BlackRock and, you know, major investors. So it's more disaster capitalism. The same sort of thing is going to be happening uh, over in western and northern New York and out in NEPA out in jersey all the time they have those algorithms just waiting on zillow to purchase your home for cash over the asking price
1: yeah so there's zero incentive for our current economic model of capitalism to fix these problems because these problems actively help the rich get richer they could be like oh but when you when a once in a lifetime disaster occurs to these people that's less people who own houses which is the the end goal for capitalism is no one owns a house everyone is paying rent to some overlord 24 every every day. Yeah,
2: and it's also the um, like the supposed middle, the the homeowning class that votes and shit, if they aren't directly affected by the disaster, they get a boon too, so they get their home equity to rise as, you know, essentially the the higher portions of the market are pushing pushing for that kind of thing. And I mean, eventually it's going to crash or whatever. But for now, they're all like, "Oh, everything's fine. The economy's great for me."
1: Yeah, that's uh, it. Plays into the, uh, the the ever shrinking but uh, ever more comfortable middle class. Yeah,
2: yeah. And it's always about those guys. I mean, it's always been about
1: that's uh, yeah, the middle class has always been the talking point. Right. We don't talk about poor people, and uh, we don't address the and we don't address the rich people, which is a false
2: <laughs> class consciousness. Yeah, and yet and yet it is very powerful in America. Because they aren't a class, but they are—they are. Well, I—I I, I, this is a tangent, obviously already. But the—the uh, the idea that they are a, a class unto themselves is kind of a—it's uh, a—it's a live question to a few to some Marxists. Marxists generally reject the idea that the middle class exists as a class, and it is instead a false consciousness, which I think is correct in theoretical terms but in coordinating terms in terms of you know these are the people who generally (laughs) they have enough time they have enough wealth they have the the freedom to really make political decisions uh on the level that many other people you know in the proletarian are in incapable of doing
1: don't have that kind of luxury
2: yeah and you see that it's it it is a specifically reactionary format that they they follow
1: because for them they're they're sold the concept of fear if you don't if you don't engage in the system in the ways we want you to you'll stop being comfortable yeah
2: you'll you'll stop being comfortable they are inherently reactionary in in the sense that like that is the 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 precarious supposedly precarious middle middle portion that Back in the day when mass politics was real, you would get Nazis out of, and nowadays you just get online Nazis. And so they just, they, they, Allie, sorry, my girl, she's taking, she's asleep and she's, (laughs) she's kicking in her, in her sleep. She's got a dream going on. I am
1: no never need to complain about her here. Never need to, uh, never need to get mad about a cute doggo. Yeah,
2: she just sits under my desk. She just hangs out. She does this. Five days a week and sometimes on Saturday. Yeah, basically it's like nowadays you don't have the same kind of people that are going to join the Fry Corps. You'll have people who might fantasize about it, but they they basically just go and pester school boards. They go and uh, essentially do with their voting and their feet the kinds of reactionary shit that you would expect of homeowners in America. But the coordination of them as a class is more just based on their general desire for home equity to keep going up, which is, of course, working great with disaster capitalism following these once-in-a-year floods, or once-in-a... Yeah, now once-in-a-year, twice-in-a-year, third-time-in-a-year floods.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I... I shouldn't say that major – I earlier said like major rivers seem to all be drying up. But every once in a while, we have moments like this where in St. Louis, we've had our sixth consecutive rainstorm day. Oh, yeah. Massive rainstorm. But, you know, back in June, it, it, it's it's all hot and cold with the ecosystem now because the ozone layer is so patchy. So back in June, we don't – I don't think we saw rain once and then literally just six consecutive days of rainstorms here. So it's uh, – you know, our, our ozone layer are doing great. And that's exactly why uh, in the same vein, every single year is the highest – hottest year ever and they're always like oh it's a hot one this year and play it off like whatever
2: yeah whatever put on some sunscreen maybe hop down to the pool which we have closed because we've taken all the money away from public pools it's 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 wild i mean you uh it made a, a tiny splash on twitter probably like three weeks ago now which is a long time but the uh there was a police or maybe it wasn't the police it was a uh local news helicopter like spying on kids who had broken into a public pool that had been closed for the summer because you know they cut all of those what do you call it? they cut all of those uh, budget items so it's like you, you don't even get a chance for children to go to a pool and cool off in 100 degree weather
1: yeah i mean you think hillary clinton was disgusted by the state of a more modern apartment when she ran last time if, if uh, the wealthy class saw the kind of uh, heat's peep heat and uh, discomfort people are living in now i don't think they could physically make their skin not crawl off <laughs> right now
2: they they would just turn into fucking uh, the the nazis from raiders of the lost ark their faces completely melting in the face of a uh wall-mounted air conditioner
1: eh, actually sounds pretty funny maybe we should try to set that up a parody redacted all that good stuff anyway um yeah uh we should be clear when we talk about all this this uh eco damage and how it's Everything is fucked and uh, keeps getting worse. That is uh, almost entirely based on the actions of the wealthy and powerful. About uh, uh, Recent studies have confirmed that about a little less, but about 80 percent of all CO2 emissions and pollution damage is caused by corporations.
2: Yeah, corporations. And then, of course, the United States military.
1: Uh, I mean, our military might as well be a corporation. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's basically just a, a, a going concern for people to park their cash in, for people who are like... You know, Raytheon board execs who are also like uh, maybe our de- Department of Defense heads. There are measurable indexes, indices, indexes, whatever, you know, it, it's measurable and it's traceable to certain companies, certain corporations who are capable of changing if they could only accept their, I say they're capable of changing. They're all on rails like we are, I guess. They, the, if they could break away from a profit motive exclusively, and I mean profit motive in like the the nearest of senses, because obvious, you know, solar's getting cheaper, wind's getting cheaper. All of these things are getting cheaper. But they still
1: don't generate enough revenue. But,
2: you know, you also have people like in the, in England, they've sold off all of their, you know, public assets to private companies, similar to how we are doing. And those private companies start dumping sewage into into their uh, water supply. And then they're like, well, we got to get a little bit more money and charge more people to take care of the sewage. We'll get to that in 15 years. It's like these sorts of cost cutting measures and silly things are very um, they're, they're avoidable. They're traceable and they're done by people.
1: These, yeah, it's, it's uh, executive boards and individual CEOs and other wealthy corporate overlords who literally look at the world and say, hmm, I I am the one actively causing this damage, but it is going to make me more money if I don't stop doing that. Yep. So I'm just going to keep at it. Yep. It, is, it is, yeah. I mean, we talked about it before. If you cannot, if you if you have amassed that kind of wealth, you're an evil person. Yeah, you're that's evil. Just three. That's just not reality.
2: even specifically by like your your personal virtue or lack thereof. It's it's you have been completely subsumed by the algorithm of the profit motive. You are no longer a human at that point. You've separated your soul from your body and sacrificed it to Moloch on the altar of profit.
1: Yeah, well, on that chipper note i think that's enough uh basic overview so let's get into this the nitty-gritty of air and water quality and we'll start with uh we'll start with air because that's kind of been uh, the big talking point lately um so i'm sure that almost everyone who's uh listening to this show has heard the term aqi at some point but uh let's go ahead we're going to give you a rundown of exactly what that means and how it's measured before we jump into the uh the nitty-gritty of uh, our discussion Do you want to do the AQI overview, or should I, Kyle? Well,
2: I actually am not entirely certain of how it is measured. I do know that it's air quality index. I do know that they base it on certain um, testing sites for parts per million in the air of certain particles. Um, But generally, I don't know quite the nitty-gritty about.
1: Well, it's so uh, AQI is measured from 0 to 500. That's the maximum number you can get. Um, And it's basically like a thermometer showing how much... Active, but instead of temperature showing how much more polluted the air is getting per second in that area. Uh, so if your AQI is, you know, above uh, anything, any AQI above 100 is considered unhealthy. Uh, any AQI above 200 is considered bordering on unlivable. It should be noted that at a point recently in american history like within the last you know four months chicago's aqi was over 350 so highest aqi in human history uh, in any measured location
2: here in philadelphia got up to about 270 um during the the wild that first brush of wildfire there was like a because of the kind of strange low pressure system that was happening concurrently it just like hovered over new york and philly and the northeast generally and then kind of down into you know the east coast you know further down but uh, yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, St. Louis is uh St. Louis isn't even close to that stuff. And we still broke 200. So it's uh, yeah, the air quality has been destroyed. And uh, yeah, literally what it's measuring is how much how many more parts per million of CO2 are entering the environment in that locality at any given moment. So when the AQI is high, it's, it's not the damage that it, you're currently experiencing, which is also bad, but also the long term damage it's causing to the air of that region. Right. So uh, that's you know that's what we have to look forward to whenever they say there's your AQI is uh you know if it's ever over a hundred we're doing bad and it should be noted that I think there's only like two states in America that have an average of less than a hundred right now I I that I can't vouch for those numbers officially let me actually Google that in the mornings here see, in like, Philly
2: it's usually around seventy and then by the afternoon it's around a hundred something so it's like, well. I I look at my weather app and it's like unhealthy for certain groups. I was like, that's, that's always, I I live next to an interstate. Of course it's unhealthy.
1: Okay. Well, that's 2021. And that's, that might as well be ancient history nowadays. <laughs> hmm. uh, but uh, good to know in 2021, even before all this shit started really going down, uh, Arizona already had an average AQI of over 150. Yeah, it's so a I'm place. sure they're doing great now.
2: Doug, I probably got some simp- seriously strange kinds of cancer just for living in Phoenix for three years.
1: And it's very possible. Here we go. Uh, Two. Okay, there are eight states that average below 100 AQI Ooh. right now. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, doing paradises? we're doing bad, America, folks. Bad. <laughs> but yeah, um, and that should be noted. As, uh, please cut out all this. But yeah, um, or just leave this in for this. Uh, this joke also <laughs> lands about how I don't know how to talk English. Good words. Uh, so what does that mean relative to the global scale? Well, first off, it means that every liberal you hear are saying that "Oh my God, China is the biggest polluter in pollution history" pollution is full of shit because their AQI is substantially lower than ours right now.
2: Yeah, not to mention that they're also. China's. I mean,
1: not to say they don't pollute, but relative well, no, to the amount like, of people there.
2: When I was a when I was a kid, that was always mentioned. You know, the pictures of China that you would see, and my dad, who worked in China a lot, he'd be like, "Yeah, the cities are really fucking polluted. Uh, you know, the air quality there is not great. There's, it's bad." Um, and yet, because uh, China has, especially in the last ten years, really started investing moving away from their coal not even moving away really but kind of like leveling with their coal industry uh more solar and air uh wind power much more clean versions of energy uh they're actually like getting better
1: yeah their aqi is actually quite low right now i mean that that there's still damage from the time when their aqi was high Mm -hmm. but you know they're they're in a state of recovery because it's below 50 so it should be yeah so uh i mean we don't like to we don't like to Harp on it too much, but it, it should be noted. We think China's doing better than the US. Yeah, I
2: mean, obviously, they're the next going concern.
1: that And that's that, that we just bring them up because they're the other powerhouse in the world besides us. And anyone who tries to act like Russia is on the same level as those Got two is ideas. just silly. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's just a sense of where the globe is at, too. Because I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the US has maybe not the worst AQI, but certainly the worst first world AQI.
2: Oh, certainly i mean the 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 comparisons of Chicago to you know Delhi and New Delhi and uh India it's like okay, so Chicago has two million people, and Delhi has something like twenty million people, so you wanna track that back a little bit I mean like the 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 fact that it's really, really fucking bad in a in a major huge city that hasn't been really isn't in the kind of industrial situation that Chicago is, is, is putting up similar numbers. That's not good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's rough. Uh, And it's, I mean, it's it's basically the, the surprising factor is that it's finally coming home to roost in the first world, because I mean, we've had these kinds of problems all the time. Like, I mean, Brazil was on fire for, like uh-huh. a decade and we're just like that's fine because they're all poor people because they're all like they i mean third world people might as well be dead anyways yeah. in our society's eyes Basically. so that doesn't make a difference but when canada starts getting those wildfires suddenly it's an issue because oh look it's americans are being affected yeah. not enough of an issue to do something about it but enough of an issue that people notice right.
2: it's enough to notice not enough to do anything about and i mean so many people especially uh you know during the trump years a lot of people being like oh canada it's so much better it's got justin trudeau it's still just a petro state it's still just another state that's an extraction state uh about you know essentially carving out spots for extraction and you see that when because of their extractive industries and because of their massive um you know, farming practices essentially destroying a lot of the area. These wildfires spread so rapidly and really it's just bonkers. It's, it was something like a quarter or whatever of their of their forest entire were on fire.
1: Mm-hmm. It's and uh, that kind of damage, uh, like we said before, it's not just about the damage it does in the immediate to the air, but the fact that now it's going to take that much longer for any recovery mm-hmm. to happen because trees are less prevalent in one of the most tree heavy countries on the world, formerly. Right.
2: Yeah, fewer trees. I mean, But
1: that's, that's always how it seems to go, is uh, the, once, we, uh, once, uh, once we've run out of trees to burn in America and the other, you know, flatland places that we've tried to create, we have to start burning the trees somewhere else to make more room. Right. <laughs> we now return to Capital F.
2: Next family, step forward. I still can't believe it's finally come to this. I mean, I can but that doesn't make it any less horrible.
1: Oh, Robbie, I knew you'd be like this. You've been a negative Nelly ever since the global air quality was classified as mildly toxic. You know that means it's still mostly non-toxic, right?
2: Yeah, fart face, it's not that big of a deal. How is needing an air purifier collar 24-7 not a big deal? We've destroyed our (laughs) ecosystem and finally made the planet naturally unlivable, and all we have to show for it is obscenely rich people getting richer.
1: Don't be silly, Robbie. We have lots of things to show for it. We can still drive our cars that run on gasoline, like nature intended. And we can enjoy a nice, organic, artificially grass-fed steak. And we can... well, a third thing that I can't be bothered to think of right now. Look, I know you worry about this kind of stuff, sweetie. But your life won't change much. The colors are extremely
2: lightweight. And they're made of some fancy science stuff that doesn't create much of a sensation on your skin. Not to mention all the ways you can customize it. I'm going to look so cute. Those aren't the real problems I have with it. We finally crossed the threshold where breathing isn't a basic human right. Can't you see that is so fu- <sighs> Next family, step forward.
1: Oh, that's us. Well, hello, sir. How are you today?
2: I've spent my day getting treated as less than human by a seemingly never-ending line of people while I explain to them how they have a new monthly bill, so... Not great.
1: Ah, great! Glad to hear it!
2: <sighs> so, do you have insurance that covers all or part of the cost of the Air Master?
1: Oh, yes, right here.
2: Alright, one sec while I run this. Okay, so for the four of you, it'll be $3,600 for the installation and another $116 a month for the continued service.
1: Hey, now, wait a minute, Buster. I was told on the website it would only be $100 a person and $8 a month each.
2: I'm sorry, sir. The website is designed to lie to get people through the door. Then once you're here, our job is to get screamed at.
1: Oh, well, uh, if it's what you're getting paid for, I mean, it would be rude not to at that point. <sighs> this is an outrage! How dare you personally change the price on us, you human skull?
0: I hope your whole family gets cancer, you piece of
2: Sorry about him. Uh, honestly... It's pretty nice compared to some people i've seen today all right look the airmaster company knew that once people were already here they'd be committed to not dying but if the price seemed insurmountable to people when they were at home they might just say to heck with it and let themselves slowly asphyxiate that's why the listed price was so different
1: Oh, makes perfect sense to me. That's just smart business practice.
2: Wait, now you're okay with this? It's incredibly immoral.
1: How is it immoral, Robbie? The company
0: is
2: literally saving lives. They're commodifying a basic human right. It's just a- Please, honey, don't have one of your arguments here in public. Let's just get through this without making a scene. It wasn't making a scene when Dad screamed at this poor guy? Oh, that's just part of the experience here, I think. Look, I need to keep the line moving. How will you be paying?
1: Okay, um, let's see. here. Uh, how about the three of us on this card and uh, the boy on the backup card here?
2: Wait. Wh- why am I getting put on a different card?
1: Robbie, I like to keep a little bit of wiggle room on the main card. Gotta pay all the bills next month without worrying about it. Don't worry, I'll remember to keep paying down the backup card often enough. I mean, what's the worst that could happen?
2: (sighs) All right, and now those are run. Here are your collars. Press and hold these two buttons to activate the Bluetooth, and then you can make any modifications to its appearance using the app. Oh, this is really pretty comfortable. All right, time to make mine beautiful. Now, don't go crazy, Anna. Some of those cosmetic
1: options are a bit expensive. Oh don't
2: worry, Dad. I'm just gonna get a few add-ons. What?
1: You've already spent $200 <laughs> dollars. You're grounded, little Miss.
2: <laughs> Anna getting in trouble for once is really a breath of fresh air.. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's really a, an untenable situation because it's going to, you know, not, I don't want to, not an Ouroboros. It's, um, I, I, I can't think of a good metaphor for it, but it's a situation where the worse we make it, the worse it's going to continue to accelerate at being worse. That makes total sense. It's like pushing
2: a ball down a hill, man. It's just catching speed.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah. So uh, breathable air, if, we, uh, if you'd asked scientists, you know, 20 years ago, they'd have probably said we'll have breathable air for another good century or so. But if you ask scientists today, they're saying, oh, yeah, it's becoming a crisis like
2: soon. Yeah. It's like this is getting worse. We may in our lifetime have to suffer some sort of change and <laughs> probably won't be the one that we need.
1: Yeah, And in that same vein, it's that whole point of no return conversation. Climate scientists are always like, oh, yeah, the point of no return. Yeah, They used to say it was like 2100. Yeah. then They said it was 2050. Now they're saying it's 2030. And now they're saying we've already passed yeah, it. It's basically it's like, well, you're
2: done. It's, it, uh, humanity's cooked. It's cooked the world.
1: I mean, it's the, the point of no return is just when we're going to face massive climate catastrophes. I still think. I guess we'll get to that this in like the wrap up section, but I do think that the planet fighting back will mean that we lose the battle overall. Humans will not. But you know, if if human extinction is the cost of other species getting to breathe in, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand years,
2: yeah, eh. I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's not ideal. Obviously, we're not rooting for human extinction, but yeah, uh, that's that's where our air is at. While it's not quite as immediately popularized in the news, it's still just as much of a pressing issue. Our water's not doing much better. Before we move on, I want to real quick clarify a statement I made earlier uh, or rectify, rectify, not clarify Uh, over er, the eight states have a below 50 AQI, not a below 100. That was my bad. I didn't want to give misinformation. So a little little less dystopian, but still very, very bad.
0: Fancy. You can breathe your air. Mm.
1: (laughs) But anyways, moving on to uh, our water quality like we were going to do. Uh yeah, it's 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 just as bad a situation, even if we're not talking about it in the zeitgeist right now.
2: Yeah, I mean it's um it's sort of tangential to the actual like water mains and shit that you're gonna get your tap out of. But like uh what was it? Last year they declared that no rainwater ever or no rainwater nowhere in the world is safe to drink. It's just Yeah,
1: it's I mean water purification systems are important, but it would be even more important to have the water just already be okay because that affects, like for example, our ocean wildlife, which might might have some impact on our ecosystem if we don't want three eyed toxic fish. Right,
2: no toxic fish, no Futurama characters in the water. It's becoming more and more dire how bad, especially the the ocean is is faring in this. Um, because you know generally the 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 heat index of the of the ocean has been rising quite a lot. The, the the ocean itself acts as a sink for carbon and acts as a sink and a, a temperature regulator for the world. As we abuse it and as we take away things like destroying giant chunks of the Canadian forest for, you know, as tinderboxes, uh, then it the strain on it gets worse and worse. And as we get hotter and hotter, the water, it, it becomes deoxygenized and it will end up killing lots and lots of wildlife which are essential to maintaining the, this this uh ecology this
1: fragile little thing we call an ecosystem yeah yeah I mean, but you, you i know what your youth listeners are thinking i mean we know who our podcast audience is you're all like ah fuck all that humans only <laughs> yeah only humans because obviously that's 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 clearly uh that's clearly the kind of people who listen to leftist podcasts
2: especially ours well <laughs>
1: uh look, i mean uh, jokes aside that's kind of the focal point of this discussion so yeah the ecosystem is obviously a huge part of why we want both the air and water quality to stay good but focusing on just humans it might be a of slight concern that twenty six percent of all people globally literally are drinking diarrhea water. Yeah, it's it's, it's a. I mean, the, I, I, thankfully the statistics are not quite that bad in America, but yeah, literally twenty six percent of people do not have access to what considered potable drinking water. Right,
2: and it's like we have that we have that here in the the supposed. Uh, global north or you know the supposed center of empire i mean it is the center of empire but it you know it's it's a, it's a bunch of corporations pretending to be a country here and yeah the, uh, i was listening to um another fun podcast which is worth listening to but is l- less politics oriented and more just giggles and laugh at the news things very parasocial for me uh bunta vista a uh, very fun podcast that uh they are all uh <laughs> australians and They came up across a story about a guy who was a real real estate agent who was very thirsty and was caught on a a camera inside someone's own fucking home. And I'm like, why are you why are you placing cameras in your own home? That's a little weird. But uh, he went to their um, (laughs) he went to their fridge, popped the cap on their milk jug and just drank straight from the jug. And they were like, why aren't you going for the tap? If you're really thirsty, why aren't you just going for the tap? And they're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. This is this is in North America. They probably just can't. It's just the thing that we can't <laughs> do anymore is drink our own tap water.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's one in five have unsafe tap water in the US of A, which is still... I mean, I, and I'm sure the term unsafe is relative. Like, I'm right. sure it's just like, oh, it's just a little bit of lead. It's not that big a yeah, deal. Yeah, just
3: a little
2: bit of fecal matter. Don't worry about we it. We are
1: at a point now where if you don't have a Brita pitcher, you're taking uh, you're taking a risk, yeah. which is a great way to live in of uh, the quote-unquote richest country in the world
2: god it's so dumb and i don't even know how much my filters i change them out like every two months or whatever like they tell me to but like how much is that actually gonna help me if the delaware is getting
1: i've, I've kind of just leaned into it i mean for one st louis is actually considered one of the better yeah. tap water cities but for two i'm just like eh fuck it if i get some lead-based disease it means i don't have to deal with the real the worst of climate change which is coming for all the rest the, of you the,
2: we gotta shout out to the bush family for all their horrible evil shit they got us good tap water in st louis
1: yeah yeah the, the, there's a lot of a uh... The, that, that's funny. I mean, that goes back to the whole Republicans and Democrats thing, you know. Like, they, neither of them really care about us, but once in a while, either side of them will do one good thing, and you know, that's that's all you can. It, it doesn't really matter what party they're part of. Granted, the Republicans do more actively out and out evil things, which is why you know, if you're gonna vote, you should vote Democrat. And we're not actively anti-voting on this podcast, we should say, but it's not gonna fix. It's not gonna fix the problem because neither of these parties really give a shit about you. Right.
2: I mean, we've said it a few times. If you if you have like, I don't know an afternoon on a tuesday or whatever and you want to go vote cool uh if you want to do the it's intense it's intensely lame but i guess you can do the mail in voting it's very easy i've done it the last time i voted in uh yeah, that's uh how I voted. 2016 2018 For, yeah 20 uh
1: I vote, that's how i voted in 22
2: uh last time i voted I forgot to turn in my 22. I filled out the mail-in ballot, but it's so, it's boring, man. I I really like, I really like going to a not super busy, like, polling station. They should have, you know, if they're going to do it, if you're going to pretend like it matters, then they should have it fucking available over a month, and we should all be able to go to a cool little spot, and they should give you, like, a free beverage when you get there. Doesn't have to be alcoholic, although I wouldn't mind a free beer if I went to the, if I went to the post office and they were like, oh, did you fill it out? Do you have one of those stickers? You get a free beverage. Yeah, here's a pilsner from a local brewery, or here's a fucking uh, soda pop. I don't give a shit. But no, no, nothing other than feeling smug as your reward. But yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, again, the atrocities committed by some of the like Florida-style Republicans. It, they're bad, but also those are the states where you're not going to win with a Democrat anyway, so you can vote if you want. Your vote's not going to matter when you're overwhelmed by, like a 60 points by the Republican right. Party.
2: It's like we're getting on our voting shit, but like, you know.
1: Yeah, it's not that's neither here nor there. I am a little more pro-voting than Kyle. We're both still pretty of the vines. It doesn't make much of a fucking difference. It really difference. doesn't make a difference,
2: yeah. uh, especially because, like, and I hate to continue this tangent so much, but, like, the idea that the Democratic Party is itself— an actual party that has goals, that has a, an infrastructure that can be wrangled, and isn't just a collection of. Uh, uh, Matt Crisman said this on their on their uh, latest chapo that it isn't just a bunch of individuals seeking a career path. Like that's what it is. It's not a. It's not a party that can be wrangled anymore. So it's kind of like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm.
1: There's, they have no cohesion, and uh, that's why. That's part of the reason the Republicans get evil shit done is because they are like no matter how much they say they clutch their paroles and say, oh, Donald Trump. Oh, uh, he, he's so bad. They are all still of the mind that, oh, well, we're going to vote whatever they whatever the party leader says, we will all vote. Yay. There's. Yeah, you know,
2: I mean, you have that one little break whenever Matt Gates and them are all having a fit at the beginning, but they still they still got McCarthy in there. They're still doing the thing. And even if they are backbiters and freaks, they're still. They, they have the, the infrastructure of the party still exists and still does conf, constrain them somewhat, as opposed to the Democratic Party, which is, you know, they voted for the party for, in 2020. They voted for the guy who in, embodied the party, but the party itself no longer really exists.
3: We now go live to a press conference with the mayor of Bala Clubaville. Hello, and thank you
1: to everyone who came out today. I'm sure you all know I was recently given a sizable check from good old Uncle Sam. They sent this money to help you, our fair citizens, through this water crisis.
3: Mr. Mayo, what's the expected time frame to get... Replacement pipes. Does
2: this mean I can start taking a shower again soon? Uh, let's be real. What other stupid way that doesn't solve the problem are you spending the money on? Oh,
1: come on, my aid plan isn't stupid. Look, I know it's been difficult for you all. Why, we've had over half of our households without potable water for nearly six years now, which is even longer than Flint, Michigan. A fact that I'd like to point out to my voters is in no way my fault.
3: Have you coordinated with... The mayor of Flint, to plan the rebuild?
2: Look, my co-workers are bullying me for using the water cooler to clean up. I just want a gosh dang shower. How is nearly six years of a disaster in our city not, at least partially, your fault?
1: Oh, you're all jumping the gun on these questions. Please, let me finish my opening statement. In conclusion... I want to celebrate your efforts in putting up with these difficult conditions. I'm spending the money on a citywide block party celebrating us for outlasting Flint. We've got the U.S. record for a clean water shortage since the turn of the 20th
3: century. So, uh... I'm guessing this means no clean water. Honestly, that sounds about right. How much of the budget will be left for the actual infrastructure
2: repair? Please, I'm begging you. I'll suck you off for a shower. Uh,
1: All right, security. I'm going to need you to escort that guy out of here.
2: No, no, please. I'll I'll do anything. Hey, either you guys have clean running water and want a (sighs) blowjob.
1: All right, with that out of the way, I'd like to correct the first gentleman. You will be getting clean water. In fact... Everyone in attendance at the event will get a free 24-pack of Malmart's good-price brand bottled water. Now, sadly, the way we've budgeted the money, we'll have none left for actual pipe repairs, but rest assured it's on the short list of projects.
2: Mr. Mayor, okay, I'll clarify my previous question. How much money did you get, and how much will this block party cost,
3: and what are you doing with the remaining funds? Yes, and, uh, honestly, how long until I can take a shower? The other guy had a point.
1: Look, we'll expect to have clean running water available in a matter of weeks. It may be dozens of weeks, but that's neither here nor there. Now, it's not really fair to ask three questions at once, but since I'm such an excellent mayor, I'll still answer. We received 220 million to address the situation, and due to my excellent and thrifty negotiations, we'll only be spending 18 million of that on the block party. The rest will, in fact, be going to repairing pipes, as well as other important renovations at key areas throughout the city.
3: Uh, Mr. Mayor, where are these places, and will any of them have publicly available showers? Mr. Mayor, what are these other renovations?
1: Well... I have good news for you. There will, in fact, be places where you can take a nice, clean, hot shower. We'll be making sure that all of our profitable businesses have clean water before the end of the month. So just book a night in any of our fine local hotel rooms. Incidentally, I have signed an agreement that in these dire times, our hotels are legally allowed to price gouge as much as they want to help revitalize the city's budget. As for the other renovations... There will be some very important work done on one of our city's most historic and significant locations, including top-of-the-line pipes and built-in water purifiers for all the buildings there.
3: Mr. Mayor, will there be... Available housing in the location where those repairs are being done? Yes,
2: Mr. Mayor, what exactly is this other work?
1: Jeez, uh, you guys are nosy. It's like it's your job to ask questions or something.
3: Uh, it is.
1: Yes, yes, fine, whatever. Well, thankfully, there aren't any houses available there. It's my gated community, and we don't want any of you common riffraff. As for the other renovations, I just thought I could use a wet room in my house. So I'm having a contractor come by tomorrow. See? It's even water-related, and that's how I'm spending the money. I'm right on track.
3: Mr. Mayor, won't you getting a wet room just mean you're using more clean water, leaving an even less safe ratio for everyone else? Also, that still doesn't sound like $220 in spending.
1: Ah, fine, fine, you caught me. I'm also spending some money on a little added security for our gated community, and I'm taking a little nice vacation. Are you happy now?
3: No, but I never am after these things. I wonder if one of those hotel managers would take payment in the form of oral sex.
1: I'd say that maybe in a year's time, as we get closer to the next big election cycle, we'll have a deep dive Democrats versus Republicans episode and talk about just how pointless both parties are. But for now, we're talking about the climate that neither of them (laughs) care about. Like uh, like we were saying, one in five don't have safe tap water in the U.S. Twenty six percent literally don't have potable water, which is a step below just unsafe mm. tap. It globally, that's literally like, oh yeah, you're drinking the shit brown water from the river because that's the best you can right. do. Don't and, don't uh,
2: turn on the tap if you're in fucking uh, anywhere in rural Mississippi or Alabama because it'll just come out brown, f- filled with fracking oil and. Trash.
1: Yeah, the city, like, there are, Flint, Michigan was our Tracking big newsworthy runoff. event city, but that, ha, that, that shit's happening all over the place all the time. Just maybe not quite as long of stretches at any given time, but this doesn't mean that it's not ha, constantly right. happening. And, and, yeah, I mean, imagine living in Flint where it was like, almost six fucking years of just, yeah, you'd sludge for every time. If you want to take a shower, you need, uh, you need bottled water. If you want to drink something, you need bottled water. And, uh, by the way, these bottled water companies totally care about the environment, mm-hmm.
2: guys. Yeah, it's, it's great whenever, uh, our solution to uh, getting people clean water that we no longer provide is to package it in petroleum based plastics
1: yeah um and i mean while we're at it it's uh not going to get better while we were like we were talking about the rivers are drying up uh, i don't know if you all have seen some of the t- pictures of the tributaries of uh missouri and mississippi our two biggest rivers but the missouri and mississippi like there are pictures where major tributaries look like fucking desert yeah. landscapes and it's like oh great this is. This means that we'll have water for the future generations. Definitely. My
2: grandparents used to have a. Um, they used to have a little old cabin out on the Gasconade River, which was the the longest. Uh, River inside uh, fully contained by the state of Missouri, which is, uh, of course, a very arbitrary thing to say, but the um, it it is a tributary to the Missouri. And when you depending on the time of year, because, yes, that's a that's another place where the water table's not it's almost Ozark. So it does have a lot of groundwater underneath, but it does get saturated because the the river itself was never terribly deep. And nowadays it goes from basically seeing a little puddle in the middle of it in you know June to right now when you've had thunderstorms and massive, massive rainfall, essentially just flooding and tearing down everything that's on the river. So it's like you go from little piddling desert, desert swamps to roiling destruction in in like a couple of weeks and then it's back to oh uh, there's no water here anymore
1: yeah and of course even though the water and it, the worst part about the water when it's flooding is that as we said before this rainwater isn't clean rainwater, so it's not like it's it's not like it's providing more clean water it's just providing more dense water
2: not to mention flooding itself you're going to get sewage you're going to get runoff from any other things you know you're not getting anything all that
1: shit's getting mixed in all of the
2: trash that people leave around it's all going into the floodwaters you're going to get hepatitis if you go in there don't go into the floodwater this is a psa floodwater not safe for swimming not ideal.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, let's take a, normally we reserve our looks to the future for capital F, but we'll take a more discussion-based one. In the, it, we, we are, with the air and water quality heading the direction they are, we are not too far off from a water world style scenario where it's undrinkable, un, uh, uh, untenable water that still f- manages to flood the planet because of our ever-melting ice caps, which is a delightful part of our, uh, you know, water discussion. Hey, at least every time an ice cap melts, that's clean water getting added to the <laughs> supply, right? Yeah. So-
2: if it wasn't directly falling, i guess the glaciers are already basically gone so we can't really rely on that yeah
1: no we're not really not getting yeah the whole glacier spring water thing that's that that, that's all mixed up with other garbage now i saw Um, some guy
2: i saw some guy um dip like a oh look how clear this water is he's one of those dumb like bear grills wannabe kind of guys dip some a glass of water into this glacial melt that he's climbed up to and apparently there's like a bunch of other horrible things similar to like how permafrost kind of traps bacteria so did the glaciers so he's probably given himself some form of bacterial infection that will fester in his body for a while yeah
1: that sounds uh that that sounds like the kind of thing that these uh survivalist types will uh, mm-hmm. Be I mean honestly we're not too far off from survivalist types just being like so proud that they found water that literally isn't a toxic sludge.
2: Right. <laughs> it's like hey <laughs> look it's clear it must be good.
1: Yeah who knows what's in who knows what's in there from ed- generations millions of years ago because the thing part of it is you know in that situation the human body of modern day is not the same as the human the human body equivalent from a million of years right. ago whenever that froze over.
2: <laughs> yeah we're very different now. I do think that in many ways we are probably. Because of antibiotics, because of our treatment, which we are all, of course, rejecting now. We are rejecting them. Yes. All of our advancements. Penicillin is the devil. That kind of shit. New
1: medicine. New medicine is a dangerous and horrible no. thing. We should go back to the old ways of dying from polio. Yeah, give me
2: the iron lung. I demand the iron lung. I mean, yeah, we're we're essentially we're we're careening towards states of psychosis, not seen since the peasant wars of the fourteenth, the fifteenth. Wait, wait wait the 16th century well i'm glad
1: mr history got it his i got it straight. i got <laughs> it eventually i had to go through
2: 300 years but there
1: but yeah i mean it's it's as, as it gets worse as we slowly advance towards like the fucking movie water world that is going to war and stuff is not going to cease as long as capitalism is still the uh reigning ideology because there will still be we will have a new thing to fight over oh there's a small patch of clean water we're going to launch a 20-year mm-hmm. bloody war over yeah. it and, and, of course, muddy the waters up the whole time by having right, that and war. And still
2: use the, the massively polluting military to continue that kind of thing. Uh, I know that it's been mentioned by citations needed once whenever they were talking about the climate crisis, about how it keeps getting framed in this idea, especially remember the 2020 primaries when they would bring up climate at these like 30 person fucking town halls or not, you know, the 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 million and a half (laughs) candidates that they walked onto the stage to do debates. Half of them would be like, yes, uh, the climate crisis is a national security emergency which is essentially just like accepting that, yes, we are going to have to block the billions of people who will be living in climate catastrophe from having any escape towards a place which has clean water, which has no extreme weather events, because obviously like Panama is going to go underwater. All of the islands in the Pacific are going to go underwater, but yeah, it's a national security threat. To think of the the uh, climate crisis. And so it's going to be that same kind of that same kind of silly impulse that suggests like us is us versus them kind of shit to protect and take over clean water for, you know, whatever small subsection of the suburban homeowner class is still around,
1: Mm -hmm. which is, you know, exactly how they'll continue to keep us under control by the exact same mechanisms they're using right now, but just with new problems. So yay, at least we'll have new problems to think about. Doesn't that make it more fun?
2: You can't tell me it isn't interesting out here.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's God Bless the USA. I'm Jim Farver, joined by my co-hosts, Timmy Vevey.
3: Hello, folks.
1: And Jim Loveless.
0: Hey, what's up?
1: And now for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, let me break down our credentials. We all served as staffers for our country's first black president, and that means not only do we know how politics work better than any other podcast out there, but we get extra cred with the black community despite our whiteness.
2: Not to say there's anything wrong with white guys. After all, the topic this week is one of our favorite white guys— President Joe Biden and all the good he and his administration have done for our climate crisis since taking office.
1: Yeah, he really has been doing an incredible job. And anyone who says anything to the contrary is so out of touch with reality. Oh, on an unrelated note, some quick housekeeping. Several episodes from around the time when the war in Afghanistan stopped have mysteriously vanished from our back catalog. Don't worry, we're looking into it.
2: So we've heard a lot of people complaining lately that Biden hasn't upheld any of his campaign promises and that his contribution to climate change reduction has been essentially identical to Trump's. I have to wonder, are these people living under a rock? Let's run down the list of all the good he's done so you listeners can smugly know better than everyone else.
1: First, let's go back to right after he took office. In the face of barely any Democratic majority in the Senate and only a mere 30-something vote majority in the House, he still managed to pass legendary anti-fossil fuel legislation that guaranteed we would start taking action in six years. Now, two years later, we're almost halfway there. As long as the Republicans don't get control of the House and Senate in 2024 or 2026 and also don't win the presidency and also none of the Democrats who signed off and I get cold feet if their corporate backers say they don't like the conditions, it's going to revolutionize the way we tackle the fossil fuel industry. That's right, we're talking more solar and wind farms, more affordable electric cars, way more regular charging stations, a stronger shift from the dangerous mining we still do now to a far more safe and economical fracking. Hell, in a perfect world, then when this bill comes to pass completely and isn't in any way reversed between now and 2050, we'll reduce carbon emissions by nearly half and it's still gonna push the planet towards an unstable climate, but way more slowly. That's the best we could ever possibly hope for. After all, you can't expect companies that rely on fossil fuels to forego profits entirely. That would collapse the economy.
2: No doubt. That bill was a great way for Biden to start his illustrious legacy. However, he didn't stop there, the absolute madman. Let's not forget that even before he signed off on this monumental legislation, he rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement after his predecessor dropped out. For those who aren't totally sure about the ins and outs of this— What it means for us is that we are officially part of the good guys again. Members of this agreement are all committed to saying they think climate change is bad. And we all know talking about the problem is the most important step.
1: It really is. What would be the point of doing anything to fix the problem if the world didn't know we were planning to do it? This move definitely set us back on the right track to being a world leader in talking about how much we want to save the planet again. Now, if it were just those two things, that would already be massive. But of course, legend that he is, Biden didn't stop there. That's right. Biden just made a huge move that is an absolute game changer in mid-July. He signed off on a staggering $35 million in funding for clean energy over the next five years. That's $7 million a year for those who aren't math-oriented. Can you imagine how far that money's going to go?
2: You said it. That amount of climate spending is incredible. There's arguments to be made that perhaps it's too much, and that money could go to more necessary causes, like increasing our funding aid to the Ukrainian people and defending against the evil empire of Russia by less than a tenth of a percent. But I, for one, think that the global climate is still pretty important, even if it's not quite on the same level. For
3: sure!
1: Well, after that breakdown, I want to see anyone try to hate on our most progressive president ever. That being said... For those of you who still don't like how hot it's been getting out there and you find yourself tossing and turning in bed, we have a solution for you. More breathable sheets. And that brings us to this week's sponsor, River Satin. It's bad. It's getting worse. And it's I mean, it's going to get worse. We've, Like I said, scientists have, most climate scientists have agreed we've passed the point of no return where we're going to face some real consequences mm-hmm. for this shit. But we shouldn't give up. But that's not an excuse to just say I give up. Just shoot bullet in your head and call it a day we should talk about what actual practical solutions we can have to make this better for future generations again it's a whole you know plant a tree in a garden you'll never see thing so um step number one most important step uh is not to let yourself get hung up on individualism mm-hmm. that is the american way is you're an individual you're your own you are an island and that is completely untenable if we ever want to make change happen in these situations every home
2: is not a castle every world is not your own you can share obviously i i mean i i you know some of these motherfuckers obviously never watched barney as a kid sharing is caring bro yeah. i just yeah it's as a single person You're not going to be able to do much of anything. You know, you have to recognize that you are part of a society. I mean,
1: unless you manage to mastermind, unless you manage to mastermind some situation where you personally, like, take down a billionaire and his entire enterprise. But that seems incredibly unlikely. If you become
2: the found the mule from the foundation, then maybe you can do something. But I don't think that we're any closer to that than uh, Isaac Asimov. (laughs) ever was yeah
1: so yeah and uh when we talk about taking action as a as a unit as a cohesive group of all of the people we do mean actually taking to the streets kind of taking action we will need to make these billionaires afraid of not fixing the climate and right now they are not afraid of us in any way and voting will never make them afraid because both parties support hey we want to make sure these rich people keep making their money at all costs you
2: see it a lot in um uh england there there are At least that's how I end up seeing a lot of it is coming out of England from these protesters basically sitting, doing sit-ins, slow walks along streets, you know, shutting down traffic, that kind of shit. They're going to get run over. They've already been run over. People are becoming, especially in America, in southern states in particular— there, there are laws being passed essentially legalizing you running over protesters if they're in your way on the interstate. Yeah. So is... really, and I don't mean to use them violently, I use them in a deterrence, bringing guns along to these might not be a horrible idea, you know?
1: I actually saw a little uh, comic strip not that long ago. Uh, it's the it's the Wojak, uh, I don't know if it's Wojak is the right term, it's one of the hand-drawn squiggly looking ones where it's just the guy, it's the guy and the genie uh, four panels set up. Um, but I think this one had a, uh, I-, I wish for a way to stop the impending climate crisis. And the GD said wish granted. And then the guy had yeah. a gun. He's like, what do I do with this? And then the GD's response was redacted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we will, I mean, that's the, we've said it before. And we'll say it again. It's not going to be a fun thing to look forward to. It's going to be awful, but we will need to, get violent with these people because they will not listen to anything else. And even, uh,
2: so I was listening to um, an interview with a man who, uh, John Melrod, who was a labor organizer and student radical in the 60s and 70s. He spoke specifically about when he was working with the uh, Black Panther Party and, you know, the clan the Klan and the cops would walk out with guns and if, say... The Panthers hadn't been there also toting guns. There might have been a violent confrontation. It's like nuclear deterrence is how he described it. It's Mm -hmm. like you need to have the options available to you that they have so that nobody actually uses them. And that, you know, also means similar to nukes. Somebody sets that off. It's going to go wild. But yeah,
1: it's I mean, it's. It, it really is just uh in the perfect world, the first nuke never would have been created. But the moment that America said, hey, we're going to start blowing Hiroshima back to the Stone Age, mm-hmm. we then the rest of the world suddenly realized, OK, well, we better have some of these, too, or America's just going to be able to keep doing right. that. So, I mean, it's 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 a shitty way to handle how in a perfect world there would be zero guns. But the I have a sneaking suspicion the corporate elite aren't going to give up their number one way of keeping the people suppressed right. so we'll need to also have those same tools to keep ourselves from being forever oppressed and forever put into shittier and shittier climates just in the name of profit right. because they will throw our lives into the meat grinder endlessly
2: if, yeah they're uh, doing it now
1: why would they stop and i mean hey they're making record profits <gasps> trillionaires are on the horizon
2: yeah i saw a, a statistic that said in 2008 whenever we changed the uh whenever we last up the minimum wage billionaires in america were worth something along the lines of five trillion dollars and since then of course no minimum wage change since they yeah, are up to uh 45 trillion dollars so that's what wage theft looks yeah. like that's what theft generally looks that's like
1: 40 that is 40 trillion dollars in t- in 14 years and uh that's that's definitely a sign of the ever inflating times and meanwhile you know you have the same minimum wage, and uh, and your food costs almost twice as much, right?
2: Or since more, that. God Almighty, depending where you are. Yeah,
1: it's it's bad. Um, and that's another, I mean, that's, can't even buy
2: beer for a reasonable price anymore. How am I supposed to live? But uh,
1: <laughs> getting on to food, yeah, let's let's focus on that. One thing that you're going to be told by, and for the last way that you can protect yourself from uh, from uh being oppressed here and take action is uh to not let yourself get victim blamed. Because one thing you're going to be told is, Oh, every steak you eat is like this much damage mm-hmm. to the environment. Every, every uh, bong you take a rip from is this much damage to the environment. You know, I mean, ideally cigarettes suck, you know, they're not great, but if you're smoking cigarettes, you're going to take some victim blaming for the, you know, the damage you're doing, not just to your own lungs, but to the ozone as well. Don't let yeah. that happen. Because uh, literally, if fi- it would take 5 million Americans going complete, vegan bicycle riding never drive a car again never use plastics again like basically not engage with society in any capacity five million of us would have to not engage with society to balance out one nestle
2: yeah and how are you supposed to do that
1: and that's just one corporate that's not even all the corporations that's a single corporation
2: a single slave owning corporation yeah
1: that's that that's the key is you will they will try to victim blame us and if you let yourself sink into that mindset that you'll be so focused again it goes back to individualism you'll be so focused on how can i be doing better that you won't actually be addressing the root problem and i
2: don't want to say like you shouldn't do anything. I mean,
1: we, we encourage living those lives. Like, if you can change your lifestyle in any healthier way, if you can go vegan, mad props well, to you. you. I mean, I've been trying to cut back on my meat. I'm not there yet, but you know, like, it's less. Let, let any step you make is still worthwhile mm-hmm. because when the utopia comes, obviously we'll have restraints on how much gluttony will no longer be uh, actively encouraged in the new society if we ever yes. get there. So it never hurts to like lean into the ways that you'll we that would be better for humans to live, right? But it's also not important not to be like well i'm i'm a i'm horrible because i drove my car to work today right
2: <laughs> it, it, uh, you know if you can uh, it, this is not a moral thing i think that we need to accept there is a social contract that if you smoke cigarettes maybe you find a trash can and don't flick the butt into the street that if you yeah that'd be that'd be great can walk to work if you live like three blocks away don't drive,
1: or if you have good public transit in your city, which yeah. a lot of cities don't,
2: which most cities don't. In
1: fact, most of America doesn't. Yeah.
2: Most generally, it's impossible to find a fucking bus in any town outside of like the East Coast or L.A. And even there, it's yeah. hard.
1: But I mean, like if you if it's if it's feasible for you to engage in society in a way that is less individualistic and more healthy, you know, uh, on just a personal mm-hmm. basis, definitely do because that's not that's never a discouraged thing. That is a, it is a good thing to do, morally speaking, but. Also, don't place your moral worth on whether or not you can do those right. things because then you are then that's just what the one more way that you've been weakened by the establishment for whatever they need to keep you down.
2: We we have generally lost the kind of social contract that we shared with each other. We have generally kind of dropped back off of that because, of course, what are you supposed to do? You, we we according to everything that our government, everything that our a fellow man seems to be doing. We don't really live in a society, one where we have social responsibilities. Um, but And this, again, is not to be moralizing. It's not to say that this is a moral failing on one person's part. This is just to say that if you want to make a social contract with people, with the world around you, you kind of have to meet it there. You have to I you know I'm trying in my in my day to day just like Phil said you know trying to eat less meat whatever it's a personal choice but trying to find people in the world and treat them as humans as people who are your brother or sister or non-binary sibling like the people in your world who are around you matter at least as much as you and they are also struggling and in that shared struggle you can create a better world And you can share so much.
1: That's often the solution for these kinds of uh, uh, difficult situations that society puts us in. Empathy is one of the biggest things that we can do to start the fight. It's
2: very much more so than talking about things. Empathy itself, the actual shared feeling of humanity. That is where the actual work starts.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still not great. Climate's still rough, but, you know... uh, Every person, every person who's taking those steps to empathize with other humans and realize that the core problem is, uh, as always, as almost everything in this world seems to be, the result of capitalist ruling classes, that uh, every time we take one of those steps, we're uh, a little better off. So uh, hopefully all you listening to this at least have a better sense of how to go forward in recognizing these problems and how they can be addressed but uh unless you have any other thoughts kyle i think we're ready to move on to the no- news no i pretty
2: much hit it i think that the yeah i mean again not moralizing just love each other like yeah, always not moralizing,
1: just <laughs> as always <laughs> yep uh yeah We'll uh i mean our little rinky dick podcast is gonna fix it but everyone who everyone who listens can pass the word on to another you know butterfly affect yeah. yeah. it will butterfly affect this shit yeah anyway uh yeah i guess on to the news then
2: on to the news
1: so let's start with uh, one of our favorite billionaires at his ever impending race to the bottom. He might be the first billionaire in history to lose his actual billion billionaire status based solely on his own decision making. Good old Elon Musk and Twitter. Oops, sorry.
2: Ugh. X. God almighty X, the idea that firstly, it's just entirely unusable at this point. I've I say that I say that as if I'm not still scrolling every once in a while. I I am scrolling significantly less. It is getting a lot less traction than it was, except for in the weirdo right wing blue check community, I guess. But the um, the rebranding to X because he wanted to do the X everything uh, website back when he was uh, bought into PayPal. So he wanted to call – he had a, a website that he called X before that was bought by PayPal that did the same thing as PayPal um, but worse. And now he's doing the same thing as Twitter but worse with the name X.
1: Yeah, it's pretty absurd uh, the way that Elon manages to destroy everything he touches and even more absurd that people ever thought he was a, one of our great geniuses of that our time.
2: That just drives me insane, the idea that people even yeah. believed – believed in his bullshit you know yeah
1: but i mean it's uh it's an interesting time when the mark zuckerberg owned threads the <sighs> uh, rapidly failing because that, that's the sad reality threads just isn't holding up but uh it's, it's mark zuckerberg's threads is the moralist choice now oh yeah the mark zuckerberg company is the correct upstanding moral one to do or you go to then that's when you know things are bad when mark zuckerberg is considered the moral option right
2: you can either do threads which is twitter for brands Or you can do Blue Sky, which is Twitter for shit posters, but there's not a lot of people there, and you have to get invited in, so it's not really a forum like it was for Twitter. And I'm not saying that Twitter is, like, a good thing, it's still evil and shitty, but, like, at least back in the day, before Elon took over, and before, you know, I I mean, Jack Dorsey's never been a good person or whatever, but, like it was a forum it was a place where everyone could go and express their most insane thoughts or funny gaffes you know and now it's just a place where all the the comments are unreadable because they're all boosted blue check freaks paying eight dollars a month to i guess like I don't know. Are they still pretending that they're supporting Elon? Like, he's not going to make it out of here with your $8. I mean, he'll take the $8, but he's not going to make it out of the building alive. Not like that. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's... I mean, I guess if you really need to have a Twitter equivalent that doesn't make you feel bad about yourself, you can just read a fucking doctorate-level dissertation and figure out how Mastodon works. Right,
2: just read a... (laughs) I'm not using Mastodon. I'm not doing it.
1: it, I try. try. It's just... It's it's too much work to fucking... shit posts like that is that is far too much work to figure out how to just post shit on post your what you ate for breakfast that day on the internet
2: (laughs) right how about instead of going on to x or blue sky or threads or god forbid mastodon you read a fucking book or something
1: yeah i mean or or engage with another human personally right although to be fair we say that but we just talked about how the world is borderline unlivable right now and going out into it is toxic so we understand if you want to lock yourself in your home but yeah, book
2: i I was about to say you could go out to a bar and talk to people but then i remembered how expensive it is to go to a bar now
1: yeah as long as you don't mind paying 20 dollars a beer or whatever shit they're charging nowadays. jesus
2: god almighty can't get a beer in this town for less than eight dollars
1: but yeah we do think elon musk with this new x move is just it's it's incredible how how actively he, a, a guy can destroy being the richest man in the world i mean he never was probably the richest man in the world in terms of actual asset value all but on
2: paper very real because money of, because
1: of how capitalism is all based on a lie to begin with you know he was able to fake it for a bit but yeah this elon musk might be the first ever billionaire to actively destroy his own wealth be great it's funny because like once he stops being a billionaire he's it's, does that make him not evil anymore <laughs> no, I know still. he'll still get the bullet to the head in the revolution that's you know he's, he's caused too much damage just by his attitudes and his presence he's
2: also unreformable the man is yeah he's stepped off of a ledge into the weird transphobia stuff a while back he's just like a and the second it's it, it's um it's um uh, Milo's law the the second you start turning into a weird transphobe that's the only thing you ever really get talk that talk. you talk about and he seems so intensely if it wasn't for the fact that he's also running Twitter into the ground, all he would be talking about is how his his uh, trans child hates him. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, good for his trans child. Let's hope that kill uh, them. Yeah, let's hope that they uh, get away from his shadow and don't have to deal with his, that their shitty dad ever again. On to the next major thing. We, it's not that major, unfortunately. It should have been more major, but uh, we made a big deal about the UPS strike last month, and it didn't happen. They they got some of their conditions met. Not nearly enough of them, but, you know, it's striking is still uh, – the threat of strike is still an uh, important thing we need to be able to hold over our capitalist masters' heads. Honestly, I was really hoping this strike would go through so that they would see that it wasn't just – you know, it wasn't just mm-hmm. all bluster. But I feel like this was – a lot of people say this was a win for the, I mean, this was a win for the UPS workers. They did get much better conditions. They got a lot of their demands met. But I think it was a loss for class action as a – common concept.
2: I will say like some of the things they won. So well, let's be honest. Okay. The leaders voted very overwhelmingly to pass this deal on to the membership who will be voting for it re- coming up. Um so there is still it, it's very unlikely, but there is still the the tentative threat of a strike. The agreement raises wages for all UPS workers which is good because the part-timers in particular were getting really shafted Mm -hmm. and they also are getting rid of the two-tier wage system which is uh for drivers basically you know uh, a long time ago we talked about the uh John Deere strike which was kind of specifically focused on this two-tiered wage system where, you know, if you were hired before NAFTA, your your pay grade stays along a certain track, which is good and cool, and then if you were hired after, you're fucked. Basically, you are going to get less, they're going to take more away from you, which is wild considering the idea that, like, what, it, the cost of living doesn't go up? But, okay. They didn't get everything they need, obviously, but... It is some small comfort to see that the part-timers are going to get a little bit better taken care of and the two-tier system is going to end for UPS.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely any any wins for the working class should be celebrated and this the fact that the threat of strike was enough to make them, you know, meet some of the demands definitely shows that class action should always be taken whenever whenever you're being mistreated, which is basically like 90% of US workers. Yeah, so Good on the UPS workers for getting better conditions, but yeah, and uh, it's one more time where we we were not able to effectively hurt the interests of the ruling class, and so they, they made some, what to them were very mild concessions to keep every to keep all the cogs turning as intended. So I mean, it's again, we we're not trying to knock it. We okay, I'm trying to knock it a little bit because I would have liked to see some actual yeah. like uh, destabilization, mm-hmm. but very pro. The UPS people getting theirs because they're the working class. They're you know again going back to empathy. They're part of us, and uh, them getting theirs is is a is a thing to be celebrated in its own right. Love the Teamsters, even if it's not all of what they deserved.
2: Love Sean O'Brien. Keep it up. Um, Yeah, absolutely. It is you know they wanted twenty five for the part timers. They're getting twenty one. It's an improvement over the sixteen bucks or whatever they get now.
1: Yeah, still better than the still better and still better than the fucking one dollar raise that the original contract had.
2: Right. Those. I, I the the insulting nature of that kind of stuff really really grinds on you.
1: And unfortunately, a one dollar raise is what my union passed. Yep, yeah. One dollar for one dollar a year for the next five years. That'll basically almost keep up with inflation.
2: Yeah, right. Uh,
1: and then, of course, once that contract runs out, I'm sure they'll try to offer us fucking thirty cents or some shit. Yeah,
2: dude. I um. Since I'm an independent contractor, I have to argue every time for my own contract every six months. Really fucking pisses me off because it's like they can just say, well, no, sorry. It wouldn't be fair to the other workers we're paying even less. They like, pay them more, too. Yeah, but then, of course, independent contractors aren't exactly the best at being organized, and we um, yeah, um, are also siloed off. In it's our, hard, to, hard to
1: have a union when you literally don't meet or talk to any of the people you work, along, quote-unquote, alongside. Yeah, those.
2: we're not sitting—I'm I'm working, essentially, in a sense. Semi- line in my own home on this computer but it's we're not sitting shoulder to shoulder and i can't talk to somebody and say hey uh would you also like a paid vacation once once in a year
1: it's uh it's pretty terrible how that segregated they keep us and that's one more way they keep us down and uh it's it's disappointing when even the people who do work in more close quarters can't get a strike organized but uh it's you know it doesn't bode well for the future of class unity action against um the corporate overlords that uh, we couldn't get the strike off the ground. But again, we're, we're, I guess the final thoughts we have is good for the UPS people. It could have been better, but You know, we got to take take the small victories for the working class where they can where they show up. But, yeah, I think the the big news, at least as far as mainstream media is concerned, is the guy that we haven't shut up about for the last almost eight consecutive, uh, more than eight years now. Shit. (sighs) We cannot seem to shut up about this guy ever since he made his appearance on the Republican primary scene. Good old DJT is on indictment number three. And he's we, we got him this time. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we got him this time. Definitely not the other. The other two times that we knew he was guilty and he got away with it were flukes. This time we know he's guilty and he's not going to get away with it. I mean, we do know he's guilty for the record, but that's neither here nor there. of course he's guilty. Like,
2: (laughs) he he told uh, Mike Pence he wasn't going to ask him to do something because he's like, oh, you're too honest. It's like, oh, so you're just like, yep, I'm not doing that because I'm too honest. I'm not going to. ...do crimes for the president.
1: Which is why Mike Pence is one of the good, respectable Republicans.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's never going to jail. There are never going to be any actual consequences. The only consequence that I think you can see is, like, them trying to muddy the waters enough so that he either definitely will be the Republican nominee. And so they think that they can beat him with a very weakened Biden or that, you know, the most delusional among them will say that he won't be the nominee. And in some respectable Republican will come in like, I don't know, Mitt Romney or some idiot who definitely won't do evil things.
1: Yeah. I mean, because Mitt Romney has always had the interests of the working class at heart. 47
2: percent of them. They don't even. The fact that
1: forty-seven percent of people are bums and layabouts who don't deserve to live—that's—that's. I mean, that was that was years ago. You can't bring up stuff someone said years ago.
2: Yeah, it was eleven years ago. How how am I supposed to care or think about that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the fact that we're just not allowed to look at the past for anyone except for Trump, who we are absolutely allowed to dig up every corner of the past of, even though he's never going to face any consequences for it.
2: The only thing we can do is the impossible.
1: Yeah, it's. Obviously, in our perfect world, yes, Trump would not just go to jail. He'd have a like a lot of these elite, asshole, horrible human beings who don't deserve—who cannot be reformed. I mean, that, sorry, that was a little bit violent of me. He would redact it, <laughs> but that's not, that's, uh, that's not the reality we live in. And because of that, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to sensationalize every minute of what Trump is talking about because that's just giving the guy more
2: screen time. The guy knows how to work a camera. He knows how to work a crowd enough that he's like— He's not going to get got over by another indictment. Nobody's going to give a shit. If you wanted to do this, you would have led with this third indictment. You would have led with the, the actual, like, real crimes and not the Stormy Daniels shit.
1: Yeah, they they wanted to make it all seem like a joke so that by the time they got to, oh, he literally planned a coup, or encouraged a coup, I should say. That, that you know, if they had started with that, then maybe we would have seen that, you know, that there would have been no uh, backing down from the harsh reality of what a dangerous piece of shit he is. But we've turned him into a joke, so everything's yeah. a joke, even the dangerous, over-the-top coup shit.
2: There is nothing uh, that can be satirical anymore. It's all just fucking, uh, it's all farcical. There's no escape from the kind of silly nothing that everything is.
1: Hey, folks, post-editing Phil popping in here after the news blast. We wanted to talk about another news story that popped up after we had recorded the episode. Obviously, we're talking about the Maui wildfires, which are unfortunately relevant to exactly what we were talking about today, which is why we didn't want to put them off till next month. It's a tragedy, obviously. Over a hundred people dead, that's terrible. The worst wildfires on American shores in recent memory for sure. It's obviously sad. Uh we we encourage doing anything you can to help, mostly like most likely through charity. Um FEMA's obviously not giving as much as they could, but you know, that's par for the course for them. Uh we don't really have a big long statement about this. It's, you know, pretty recent news. Well, Probably not by the time this comes out, but we just wanted to make sure we did better than no comment. Anyway, um, yeah, it's bad. It's shit's going to keep being bad, but, you know, we wanted to make sure we covered this story this month with how relevant it was to the episode. Yeah, and below to end it there because usually we like to end on some good news, but I don't think there was any last month. Can you think of one good, like actual noteworthy good news that happened in the last month? I've
2: been going to the library a lot more that's pretty nice hey thanks tina yeah
1: no i uh, i actually finally renewed my library card i didn't realize that it expired over a year ago hell yeah so yeah but much love to tina who was on last month she uh, she gave us a one helpful way to escape the dystopia
2: get your ways to the library so yeah
1: that's that's our good news is use your libraries they still exist (laughs)
2: they're still there uh who knows for 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 how much longer yeah But, but use them while you got them
1: yeah, it's, uh, it's rough. Our climate is getting more unlivable. Our news is getting more sensationalized. And only bad things seem to be happening for the most part. But that's where uh, unity, in order to make a change, comes in. Before we finish on our catchphrase, I want to encourage everyone, listen past the little... Uh, like, Don't just end it as soon as we say love and solidarity. There will be a little treat after the uh, closing song. But yeah... Just, you know, band together. We need to, as a unitary people, emotionally empathetic, working together, class conscious Mm -hmm. people, tell the the billionaires and the corporate overlords, we're not going to take it anymore, in the words of Twisted Sister.
2: We're not going to take it. And uh, yeah, I I think that you've you've hit it on the head. It's got to be a, you got to respect the humanity of others and share in that be empathetic
1: and uh, no better way to do that than with our ever-present catchphrase love and solidarity
2: love and solidarity y'all
0: i step outside the air's on fire hotter than 103 yeah that's on a good day how many people died from all these fires of pure catastrophe, smog is chased the blue sky away. Oh, could fry an egg on the ground while the polar bears drown. Oh, all of our water is brown as the planet burns down. This world is on fire. Bye Can be told in few enough words. We are not certain of his
3: intentions even yet. They talk, so I am told.